Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. I'm excited to share a few things, really just from my heart for you, but, but really I want you to know, and this is, this is the truth, in all transparency, we say this on a regular basis, but we say it consistently enough so that you never lose sight of it. And, and, and often I know that the enemy works in, in, in crafty ways to try to wiggle in between the truth. And I want you to know that we don't want something from you as a church. We want something for you. In fact, this phrase that I've just kind of been hanging on is we, we really want you to be able to live your best life and, and to build a great future. We really do. And, and so everything we've designed and, and engineered and crafted and built is with you in mind so that you can actually plug into the fullness of what God is doing for your life particularly. In fact, we've created a starting point for this. We call it our Next Steps course. And starting on August 26th, this will happen every Sunday after our second service. And there's two different options. We call one, uh, one option my life and the other option my future to help you discover your best life and then discover why you were created. And so if you have not been through our Next Step course, which none of you have because it doesn't exist yet, it starts August 26th, I want to just challenge you, make plans to be a part of that. And if you miss one of the classes, that's okay. It'll happen every week. So there's always a place for you. And the reason is because we want you to experience the fullness of what God has for you right now. In fact, that's what I want for you. As a pastor, if you call the Movement Church home, then as your pastor, I really want for you to live the greatest life you can. Maybe this is your first time here, and, and we haven't even met yet. I still want that for you. Man, here's my, my hope and my prayer. I really want you to have an amazing marriage, the, the best marriage you could possibly imagine. I want you to walk in, in the fullness of purpose. I actually believe you can do that, I, in the fullness of purpose. And if you're a parent here, we want you to raise great kids, that just know how to live a great life. And, and honestly, for regardless of your season of life, maybe you're a parent, maybe you, you, you're a teenager or a young adult, or maybe you're not married, maybe you are. Here's what we really want. We, we want you to be able to navigate the challenges that life throw at you like a boss. Can I just get an amen from some people? Like, because listen, life happens. Anybody that tells you that you, life gets perfect, they're selling you something or leading a cult. And so, I, listen, when life happens, we just need some tools sometimes in our tool belt to know how to handle the challenge like a boss, right? And so we want that for you. And listen, not just for you, but for your kids. That's why we're doing Summer Blast. This is our fifth annual summer blast. The first one was like at a park with like sack races and three-legged races and now we just kicked it up a whole new like free churros. I mean come on like Jesus is going to show up in the parking lot at the end of today's service and but we, we do that because we want your kids to know oh, there are some people who believe in me man that, that are, are behind me and, and are doing everything they, they can to help me be the person that God has created me to be and I want you to have a, a, an, an empower you to build a healthy home and to have a great family. I actually believe it's doable. And I, today I'm preaching this, normally we do a series, which is kind of like a book with different chapters. Today I'm doing what we call a one-off, and it's just five thoughts that I have for you today. And, and really this, I'm gearing this towards families, but I just, as I was praying through it, I just realized, man, it doesn't matter if you're a mom or a dad or you're going to Saddleback College or... UCI, or maybe you're, 
living on your own and you don't have kids and maybe your parents live somewhere. It doesn't matter where you're at, what season of life you're in. I just think that these five things actually can help each of us. But only if we're willing to apply it, because here's the truth. All of us have room for improvement. None of us have arrived. None of us have figured everything out. And all of us can grow and, and in strength in our marriages or in our relationships or while we're dating or when we're raising kids as parents. It doesn't matter. All of us can grow in this thing. I mean, I, I don't have it all figured out. I've been married for 17 years. I know I don't look a day over 26. <laughs> Some of you didn't laugh, so I guess I do. 17 years, got married just like literally, we were babies. I was 20, I was 19 when I was engaged. What did they do? I was raised in the South. Like, oh, you graduated high school, you need to get married. That was a lot funnier than you laughed at too. And 17 years, and we've got two kids. I got a 14-year-old going into high school. So y'all pray for me, freshman in high school. I went to beat up some dudes, so pray for me. I got a nine-year-old girl, and she's just full of joy and excitement. And man. 20 years of ministry, we still don't have this thing figured out, but I've also been around hundreds and hundreds of people like you and seen God do some really cool things. I've seen some people raise some great kids. I don't know about you, I want that. I've seen some people have great marriages, not perfect marriages, but great marriages, and I don't know about you, but I want that. And I've seen people be successful in college and after college and in dating and between dating, and I want that for you. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into these thoughts and Here's my challenge, just twofold. Number one, I challenge everyone in here to take some notes. I think it'll be worth it. In fact, you can text the word notes to the number on the screen. You can follow along with what I have or use your cell phone or maybe you, you brought paper and pen. You can do that too. But I'd also ask you to have an open heart, not to everything, but just to the possibility that God wants to do something great. So here, I'm going to pray, and I would just challenge you if you maybe for a moment, just bow your heads, close your eyes, and, and just you have an expectation for something awesome to take place today. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me just pray for us. God, I thank you that you're here, and I thank you that you're doing something unique and amazing, and God, that you're working in and through us. And I just pray, God, right now that you'd, you'd help open our hearts and our ears to hear and receive the fullness of what you have for us. We don't want to leave here the same. All of us have room for improvement and room for growth. And so, God, just strengthen us today and lean in. And help us to stave off the hunger for churros for just a few more moments. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Okay, here's my, the title of my message, if I have one, is Five Dynamics for a Healthy Home. Five Dynamics. So I'm going to try to get through five points in about 35 minutes. I killed it in first service. Y'all do me a favor, just stretch your hand towards me and just pray this. Say, Dear God, help Pastor Kerry preach fast and funny. Awesome. Every time, if you laugh, I preach faster. Just going to help me out, okay? So point number one, write this down, and we'll rock through these. Point number one, here's my challenge to all of us in this room, regardless of what season of life you're in. Number one, lead with grace. Lead with grace. In other words, begin with grace. Let grace lead the way in your relationships at home, in your marriages, with your co-workers, with the neighbors that you don't like. I think in every connection, every relationship, we should always lead with grace. Why? Because we love grace. Grace is simply the unmerited favor that I don't deserve. That's what that is. And you and I, we love it when people show grace 
to us. Let me get some transparency from some friends in this room. How many of you have ever been pulled over by a police officer? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you with your hands down, you're lying to me right now. I never have been, but I've heard tell. I've heard tell. No, I'm kidding. There's nothing like when you're pulled over by a police officer and they ask for license and registration, they go back to the car and you're just thinking, do I have a warrant out for my arrest? I don't, I've heard that. I've never thought that, but you have no clue. And then when they walk back up, especially if they don't have that pad and paper and they hand that license back to you and they say, I'm going to let you off with just a warning this time. And your heart rate slows down. Can I get an amen, somebody? And you're, you're not, you're not, your heart rate's not slowing down because you're so remorseful for breaking the law, but because you don't have to go to court and pay $8 billion in track. At least that's what I've heard. I've, I've never had that problem before. But we love grace. We love being the recipients of grace. We love it when people show us favor that we don't deserve. But the problem is, often we have the least amount of grace for those who are closest to us. For our family members, for our kids, for our parents, for our co-workers, for the people that we see on a day-to-day basis. There's an old school phrase that is stated, familiarity breeds contempt, which just means the more familiar, the more comfortable, the more we hang out, the more we interact with each other the less likely I am to respect you and honor you in the way that I did initially, right? When you start dating that girl, there are things that you would never dream of doing around her that six years into the picture, they're just praying that you never do those things around other people. Can I get an amen? And I'm just going to be fully transparent today. So we, as we're raising our kids, I don't know if you haven't met my wife, you just haven't lived. She's one of the greatest humans on the planet. She decided like a true ninja that she is, that we were going to remove the pacifier from my youngest daughter, get her out of her crib and into a, a, a kid's bed and potty trainer all in the same week, which if you've never been around children, that's just a demonic idea. And so I was like, why are you doing this? She's like, trust me, it's going to work. In hindsight, it did work, but it was the worst seven days of our life. And so there is this, there's this golden hour that takes place. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. It's before they wake up. Jesus shows up and hummingbirds are floating and there's an angelic chorus and for us it's 6 a.m. and we got up and coffee is pre-brewed so you can smell the aroma of the freshly brewed coffee and and literally I think butterflies were landing on our shoulders and we have music on for to, to just read the Bible and we're just like this is amazing this is fantastic now let me just back up for a moment just have that picture of that moment in your mind okay So when you are teaching a child to go to the bathroom on a toilet as opposed to in their pants, it's challenging. (laughs) But we wanted to make it an exciting venture. So for my youngest daughter, Avery, when she would go to the restroom on the potty, me and my wife and my oldest would stand around her, and this is no joke, we would do this. Avery went potty, she's such a hottie. No, she's not naughty, cause she went potty. And then we would cheer. Don't you wish someone would cheer for you when you do great things like that? And she was like, this is the best thing ever. We're just cheering her on, and she got it down quick. She could tack, she nailed number one on the potty, no problem. Number two, not so much. <laughs> it was the big in, it was a big challenge for us. And so now let's go back to that moment where butterflies and Jesus are hanging with me and Megan, and there's just perfect amount of not child noises. And upstairs and in, in, in the farthest reaches of our house, we hear this yelling. I went poopy on the potty. I went poopy on the potty. I went poopy on the potty. 
jumped up with elation, excited as my daughter runs down the stairs and rounds the corner at just the bright age of two and a half. And she's standing with no pants, just a shirt on going, I went poopy on the potty. And on further inspection, we saw there was still some chocolate fudge <laughs> that had made its way down her leg. And then it dawned on us, she can't walk down the stairs. That sucker boot scoot boogied every other step down. And so there was a trail all the way up into the restroom. And I just want you to know, in that moment, there was zero grace in me. Can I get an amen from some people? And here's the truth. When grace is needed, it's usually not convenient. It is not convenient. We, we, unmerited favor means you done messed up and now I'm going to give you grace. You were an idiot, but I'm going to choose to put in grace. Are you tracking with me? And the challenge is the longer and the closer we get, we lose our grace towards our loved ones. And I think that's because the closer we get, we can see the blemishes more easily. The imperfections, the challenges, and here is just some good news for some people today. I want you to know there's no one on this planet who knows you better than God knows you. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head, or if you're like me, it's not on my head anymore, it's now on my back. So he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows every nuance, every detail of who, somebody just dropped their head like they were disappointed in me for saying that. I apologize. (laughs) There's no one who knows you better than God knows you. And look at me, he never focuses on the blemishes. He always focuses and sees through the lens of compassion and mercy. I love this passage of scripture found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. It's such a powerful verse. Check this out. So, but God still loved us with such great love. And he is so rich in compassion and mercy. I love this. Look at verse 5. But even when we were dead and doomed, In our many sins, he united us to the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful, what's that word? Grace. In the darkest moment of your life, in the time of the the, the most ridiculous decisions that you've ever made, it was in that moment in the midst of the muck and the mire that God loved you the most. He always looks at us through the lens of grace. And I think if we want great relationships, We have to choose to lead with grace. So here's some practicals for you. I want you to write these down. Just a couple practicals that I think grace does. Are you ready? Number one, grace chooses the benefit of the doubt. It chooses. In other words, I'm going to choose that that you didn't mean to, 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 to speak so harshly, but that was a circumstance that you've just had a rough day or a rough week. And when you spoke like that to me, you, you were just allowing the pain and pressure of the week to project onto me. But I'm going to choose the benefit of the doubt that you actually really do love me. Does that make sense? Are you track me. We choose the benefit of the doubt. Why? Because our natural tendency is accusation. And to be frustrated. And so I want to challenge you to lead with grace instead of suspicion. Choose the benefit of the doubt. Here's something else grace does. Grace sees through the filter of hope. Grace sees through the filter of hope. And I just was today, this morning, as I was drinking my coffee and praying for this service, I felt like God just leaned in and said, there's people coming today who need to be reminded that there is hope. He said, but Pastor Kerry, you don't understand what I've walked through. You don't know my life. You don't know what situation I'm facing. And that may be true, but you obviously don't realize who God is. And there's always hope. His promise for us, regardless of the current circumstance, is that he has given us a hope and a future. 
Let me tell you something else grace does. Grace finds potential. Grace finds potential. Because our default is to look for fault. And I use the word find on purpose because in some circumstances and depending on the nuances of the relationships you have with your spouse or your children or your parents or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, we actually have to force ourselves to look for potential. Because if we've been close enough, and if we're honest, if we've been hurt by somebody that we love, then it's going to take some work to find potential. But that's what grace does, is it realizes that no matter your story, no matter your past, no matter your belief, you have great potential for a future. Are you tracking with me? Another thing that grace does, and I feel like this is an, uh, probably one of the hardest ones, is grace always forgives. It always forgives. Every single time. The Bible said, as we read earlier, that it was in the midst of our darkest hours, it was in the midst of our sin that Jesus climbed on the cross to pay for the humanity of sins, which means he chose to forgive us in advance. And grace always forgives. I wonder who in here today has something you're holding on to. And it's like a roadblock for you. And it's actually potentially squeezing the life out of the relationships you're in because you're choosing not to forgive. But Pastor Kerry... You don't know what they did and what they said. I, if I forgive, then I'm, I'm acknowledging that their behavior is okay. No, it doesn't mean you're dismissing the choices that they made. It just means you're choosing to love them in spite of their choices. And having trust and faith that God will handle the rest. Point number one, lead with grace. Number two, learn through discipline. I'm rocking on the time right now. I just want to throw that out there. Number two, we learn through discipline. If you're here and you're raising kids, the best thing you can do is be consistent with discipline. Somewhere along the lines, this, this kind of idea has slipped off the radar, and we've created this entitled generation. And before you panic, what I'm not saying is it's discipline, only discipline. It does need to be in tandem with love and affection, but we rob our children of their greatest growth potential when we fail to discipline. Examine your own life. One of the best ways that we learn is through discipline. Examine your own life for a moment. And think about your, not, not the person to your right or your left, but your greatest area of growth thus far in your life. The greatest things that you've walked through, the biggest change that you've made personally. I'd be willing to bet all the money in the world that a great deal of pain helped you arrive there. Something that you walked through that forced you to go, it's time to redirect. Or it just took a lot of pain to get rid of some habits and actions that I was doing in my past so that I could walk into the fullness of my future. Why? God uses challenges in our life to help us learn. I'm not saying that God brings the challenges. I'm saying he uses the circumstances that we're walking through to help us learn in the best way possible. It's one of the reasons we have the Bible. Not the only reason, but one of the reasons. Look at what 2 Timothy chapter 3 says. It says, every part of Scripture is God-breathed, and I love that term, God-breathed, because the Word of God breathes a breath of fresh air into our life. And it's useful one way or another. Look at these different ways that the Word of God is useful, useful for us. Number one, it shows us the truth. The Bible says that when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And so many of us have allowed culture and society to dictate what is truth for us. And I believe there's a day and an age right now where God's calling people who are Christ's followers to come back to a place where the scripture decides what is true. Look at the next portion of the scripture. It says it exposes our rebellion. Now, a lot of people go, I knew it. 
That's exactly what I thought. This whole church thing, Christianity thing is, is all about God saying, you messed up, you did it again. No, that's not what the scripture is saying. You see, the nature of who God is and the way the Holy Spirit works in our life is he exposes rebellion and says, hey, this way that you've been living, the reward isn't worth it. The juice ain't worth the squeeze. There's a better life, and not only is there a better life, but you can live it. You're not bound by your past mistakes. You are not the summation of your past, but there's more for you. It exposes that rebellion. Why? So that we can walk into the fullness of what God does have. It goes on to say it corrects our mistakes. And look at this. It explains why. Training us to live life God's way. And I would just suggest, and I'd propose to you, you want to live life God's way. His way for you and his plan for you far surpasses. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, it's bigger and greater than anything you could imagine. God's plan for your life. Why? Because he sees the big picture. And he's got a plan. It's unique. He sees the big picture. He can see down the road, weeks and months and years down the road, things that I can't even see. And if I'm honest, there are times that I feel like I can see the future better than God can see my future. And I take control of that steering wheel. Anyone, ever else, anyone else ever been there? And I begin to drive the car of my own life saying, God, I, I got this and I'll let you know when I need you. But he's got a bigger plan and purpose and he can see down the road and when I trust him with that my life is a whole lot better yeah. if you're here and you're raising kids guess what you can see down the road in their life too can't you you got a little more experience under your belt you got some wisdom in there and you got great plans I hope you have great plans for your kids as well and I'm telling you sometimes discipline is the key component some of us in this room might be raising child CEOs and they, they got the run of the house. And they make the decisions and everything in your life revolves around their life because they think they're the boss. You track it with me today. But if we raise children who feel that they're entitled to everything while they're young, then as the years pass, they'll still feel the same way, but wisdom and experience hasn't caught up with them yet. Are you tracking with me today? You know what that's called? Unnecessary baggage. And most of it can be avoided. Most of it can be avoided. Proverbs 22 says this, dedicate your children to God and point them in the way that they should go. And look at this. And the values that they've learned from you will be with them for their life. So if we raise a child in the way they, go, they should go, then when it gets older, when they grow up, the values will still stick. Does this make sense? Let me give you a couple practicals. I'd encourage you to write these down. Here's some practicals. Number one, create standards. And listen, regardless of whether you have children or you're married or you're a grandparent, doesn't matter. These are some great principles for all of us today. We need to create some standards in our life, not just do's and don'ts, but the why. Why is it we do this and why is it we don't do that? And I would suggest that those standards need to be based on the word of God. Not culture, not what people around you are saying, but what the word of God says. Here's the standards for our life. Listen, regardless of whether or not you have children, this is an important component of who we are. I've talked about this a lot because a big part of my life lately, but in February, I just realized, man, I'm headed very rapidly towards 40. And my, my metabolism is already dead. It's been dead for about 15 years now. 
And I just want to go into 40 in the best shape of my life. And I realized it's probably going to take me two years to get there. So I started this journey in February of redirecting a 37-year problem of eating poorly and not working out. Come on, don't you love eating poorly and not working out? It's amazing. And then I started eating well, or correct, I should say, healthy and working out. And I find there's sometimes I slip back into eating the way that I used to eat while still working out. And then when I'm running and working out after eating at Pizza Port the night before, come on, somebody, it hurts to run. Can I get an amen? My body's going, what are you doing? So I had to set some standards of what's acceptable in my life. Are you tracking with me? And in order to stick with that, sometimes I had to discipline myself. I'm not gonna eat what I wanna eat right now because the workout's coming tomorrow and it's gonna be bad. (laughs) Are you tracking with me? So set some standards and then discipline when those are broken. When the standard is broken, we bring discipline. Standards are non-negotiables. Standards aren't things we waver on. This is who we are. And that brings up the third practical, which is don't waver. Consistency is key. Because children are like raptors in the cage from the first Jurassic Park. Anyone remember? Always testing the envelope and seeing how far they can go. And here's the truth. We in this room who are not children, we as children as well. We're just junior hires in a grown-up body. Can I get an amen? Yeah. It is what it is. Listen, I, I think mentally and emotionally, I've probably capped out at about 18. Does anybody else feel the same? I still look at things and think, yeah, I could jump over that. And I'm looking at guys going, I can beat you up, and I can beat you up. And I don't know about that guy. I mean, we're going to be friends, so if we need to, we can both beat him up. And the girl's like, what are you talking about? But you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Mad dogging and everything. Anyways, moving on. That's not important. We're just grown-ups. We're grown-up children. That's all we are. So here's what I would challenge to you is regardless of your season of life, whether you are married or single, a a parent or a grandparent, or never hope to have kids, you need somebody who can call you to the carpet in your life. You need somebody who can get on the phone and say, what are you doing? You're better than that. There's more for you. You got a better future. Stop acting that way. Don't treat your wife that way. Don't talk to your husband that way. Here's how you gotta, listen, with your kids, you gotta be careful. Are you tracking me? I got three godly men in my life who have permission to call me on the carpet. My wife has their cell phone number at any point can text them, you need to call my husband now. (laughs) And they will drive down and beat me. No, they wouldn't beat me up, but they could. No, they can't. (laughs) Are you tracking with me? You need people. You need people in your life that hold you to those standards too. Lead with grace. Learn through discipline. Number three, love through affirmation. Everyone say affirmation. Some of the greatest pain experienced in our world is due to a vacuum of affirmation. Let me say that again. Some of the greatest pain that is experienced in our world is due to a vacuum of affirmation. Everyone in this room, everyone on the planet not only values affirmation, but they need it. On two specific occasions, two specific occasions, God spoke to a a group of humanity and affirmed his son, Jesus. Two different occasions. He said, this is my son, reinstating identity. And I'm pleased with him. I'm proud of him. Two different occasions, God said, this is my boy. And I'm so proud of him. And if Jesus needed that, 
You need that. And so do the people in your world. One of the best things you can do is make sure affirmation is a component of your life. Our problem as humanity is that we often put a price tag on affirmation. In other words, we charge people for affirmation. I'll affirm you when. Here's when I'll give you. And so I wrote down a, a couple of, of price tags that I think we often put on affirmation. You might be able to identify yourself in one of these three categories. I think number one is the price tag of perfection. We wait until we see perfection before we affirm. You didn't do it right. And so if I affirm you, then I might be affirming poor behavior. Often on the back end of that is a critical spirit. We're waiting for someone to do something or be something exactly perfect before we can affirm. Another price tag for affirmation is the extraordinary. In other words, I'm not going to affirm you if you're just regular. You got to be extraordinarily awesome. Here's a great, for instance, you just had dinner and your husband goes into the kitchen and he cleans up the dishes and he loads the dishwasher and like a puppy dog, he's waiting for you to affirm him. And you're thinking, Bro, you were supposed to clean up, and I clean up every day. Why am I going to affirm you right now? Anybody, are you tracking with me right now? Why? When you do something awesome, then I'll affirm you. But when you're doing what you're supposed to do, bro, get in line. Are you tracking with me? Like so, so a guy just waved and pointed at his wife. But don't do that. That's not good. We gotta, we, if we allow the extraordinary to dictate when we affirm, we, we rob people of the gift of affirmation. Another price tag is unresolved pain. Unresolved pain. I'm still frustrated and hurt by what you said or did, what you didn't do. You were supposed to be there and you weren't there. Maybe it's your kid and you, you, you've gone through a, a, a string of challenges, decisions that they've made. You've been at the principal's office more times than you can count. And you're thinking, I don't want to affirm that joker. When you, when you, when you apologize and you rectify the wrong, I'll think about it. But when it comes to us, we live by a double standard. We want you to affirm me and I want affirm me in all things. And, and, and all of us, if we're honest, we definitely need affirmation from you in our weakest moment, in our darkest time. And that's when we want you to affirm me, but it's hard for me on the other way around. In fact, the Bible actually encourages affirmation and encouragement on a consistent basis. Look at what 1 Thessalonians says in chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says this. So speak encouraging words to one another. Everybody say encouragement. Speak encouraging words to one another. And look at this. I love how it phrases this. Build up hope. It suggests that we actually have a pivotal role to play in putting courage in and hope in. That the, 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 the words that we speak and the actions that we take actually can contribute to someone having hope for the future, which would suggest that if there's a vacuum of encouragement and affirmation, we actually take away from the hope that other people may have. And I would suggest that we don't always detract hope by words spoken. I believe often it's by words unspoken. I just wonder how many marriages that are in here today would see a brand new life simply by affirming. How many relationships would be mended just by affirming? Look at what the scripture goes on to say. It gives the why. It says, build hope so you'll all be together in this. So that no one is left out, no one left behind.
I read her description or a, 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 a meaning, a definition for the word encouragement I want to read with you. Look at this. Giving someone confidence and courage to do something. It means I have the power to give you the courage, to put the courage in so that you can accomplish what you're here to accomplish. Think about the responsibility that we have. And then look at the beauty of how God intricately have woven our lives together so that we can encourage each other. So here's some practicals for you. Write these down. Some practicals to bringing affirmation. Number one, affirm motivational values as opposed to just actions. In other words, what is it on the inside that made them make that decision? What's their heart motive more than just their action? My youngest child has this amazingly overwhelming sense of compassion for the homeless community. Every time we see a homeless individual on a corner panhandling, she's like, hey, do you have any cash? Where on the other end, I'm going, I'm not going to give out any cash. She's like, hey, do you have anything? In it? I'm always feeling convicted. Why? Because she's got this compassion for the homeless community. Well, yeah, let me see if I can find a couple bucks or some change. And you know what fostered that? One day we were driving and she saw this homeless individual and she said, oh, man, I wonder what their story is. At the age of seven. I wonder how they got there. And my wife saw something, saw the potential, and said, you know what I love? I love your heart and compassion for people. And you know what that did? It lit this flame on the inside that she wants to help in every way possible. I just wonder who in your life needs you to help light that flame. Here's another thing to affirm. Affirm what inspires you. Affirm what inspires you. Sitting here on the front row is my friend Ryan Ashino. You may or may not know him. He's one of the great leaders in his church, our church. He and his wife are some community pastors here, and they run our Go Initiative, our missions organization. And Ryan is an amazing engineer, works for a pretty large firm, and works probably 140 million hours a week. <laughs> has three great kids, has a great marriage, always in church. He's like a sniper. You don't even know it, working behind the scenes. He pulled off serve day with his wife where hundreds of us gathered to go impact our community. He's led missions trip for the church and you would never know it unless you actually went and talked to him and asked him questions. And you know why he does it? He doesn't get paid a cent. He's 100% volunteer. But something on the inside said, you know what I was born to do is make a difference in the lives of those that have been marginalized by society. And I love that about him. There's times I'm around Ryan and I go, man, I, I gotta have a heart like you do. So when we affirm what inspires us, oh man, it ignites something on the inside. Does it make sense? If you don't know Ryan, you need to get to know him today. He's a good dude. His wife's even cooler. <laughs> it's true. Affirm what inspires. Y'all getting something out of this today? Yeah. Last practical, look for potential, not perfection. Some of you need to be released for that today. Look for potential, not perfection. Some of you are waiting until they get all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. And they're just trying to figure out how to spell the word. That was funnier than you laughed at. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Affirm. That was a little over the top, but it's cool. <laughs> Affirm potential, not perfection. Number one, leave with grace. Number two, learn through discipline. Number three, love through affirmation. Number four, and I think this is probably one of my favorites. Let me invite Jeremy and Brooks to come on out and play something pretty while I finish the sermon on time today. Live with mission. 
Live with mission. Live with mission. I really feel like this is a personal like, calling on my life is to help awaken mission and purpose in the lives of people. There's a lot of people who are just simply existing and not really living. Working the nine to five, doing the little leagues, maybe three of them, depending on how many kids or what sports they play. and Working for the weekend, adding more money to that 401k, making sure everything's good and functioning and simply just existing and building a life that's void of sub substance. And here's the problem is that years passed and they passed too quickly, my friends. And then we look backwards through the, the course of our life and we might see toys and, and medals and accolades and great vacations and accomplishments, but we can still look back and see a lack of substance to say, man, I just, this is what I was created for. It's not, I'm not really fully living. Look at what 2 Timothy says. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 and 5 says this. You're going to find that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food. You know what junk food does? It doesn't actually fulfill the needs that I have for food. It just makes me feel better but will fill up on spiritual junk food and catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. Look at this. They'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. I wanna pause right there for a moment. I feel like our, our world that we live in is filled with people who are consumed with chasing mirages. Something that seems like it will satisfy and seems like it will be fulfilling, but when I get there, it really is nothing. And I just wonder how many people may have walked in here today haunted by the notion that the life I'm living isn't the life I was created to live. But there's a, a reverse to this. There's an answer. And as we read on, we see it in the verse. It says, but you, and I would suggest that this is for you today, not your neighbor, not your friend, not your spouse, but for you. But you, keep your eye on what you're doing. In other words, stay focused and be intentional. Accept the hard times along with the good. In other words, there's going to be ups and downs in life. You can't change that. And keep the message alive. In other words, live on mission and let's help people find who Jesus is and do a thorough job as God's servant. Just live life on mission. So what's the mission that you're living for right now? What's the target that you're aiming at? And I'm going to tell you right now, you're driving at a target. The question is, what is it? So many people are unintentionally living, thinking that they're accomplishing things, but aiming at nothing. And guess what? You're going to hit it. What's your mission? As an individual, what's the mission that God's placed on your life? As a married couple, where's God taking your family? As a mom and dad, as a family, where's God taking your family? I'll never forget years ago, but a couple years after we moved here, my wife and I moved here to start the movement church. And Man, I've been in ministry my whole life. My dad was a pastor. My grandfather's a pastor. I married a preacher's daughter. I mean, it's just church, 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 church. And I've devoted my life to helping people awaken the mission and the purpose on the inside. And 
And I dedicate hours of preparation for that in these sermons. So it's not like this is a distant thought for me that I don't think about very often. It's woven to the fabric of everything that I do. You track it with me. And I just found that it was easy for me to drift. It was easy for me to drift and lose sight of what God had for me. And the truth is why? Because my natural tendency is cynicism. And my natural tendency is to lean towards what I want rather than what God wants. And I just realized, what are we aiming at? And I looked at my wife and, you know, we could do a great job of building a great church where people are connecting to God and relationships, but not be steering in the right direction as a family. So we sat down at a great Italian restaurant in Newport called Mama D's. If you've never been there, you're welcome. <laughs> it's the greatest family style Italian on the planet. Get the pink sauce. It'll change your life like Jesus. And we're sitting there at the table and got crayons and they've got the little disposable table mats and we started writing down values. What are the things that inspire us? What are the things we live for as family? And all of us were contributing and writing down and marking it on the, on the tablecloth. And there we penned this statement that has become the family mission. I've shared this before, but I wanted to share it again to encourage some of us today. And, and that is four different things. It started off as three and the first is serve God. And we wrote serve God because you can love God and not serve him. People do it all the time, but you can't serve God and not love him. So we're going to live our life on purpose for what God has for us. Number two is honor all. It means we're going to honor those that are older than us, those that are younger than us, those that are in our family, those that are frustrating to us. Why? Because there's an internal value that you have as a human that we can't take away. God gave it to you. So we're going to recognize that and honor you because of it. So my kids talk to adults and look them in the eye and they listen when adults speak to them because otherwise there is discipline. <laughs> Serve God, honor all, and finish strong. We're not going to quit. We're just not going to quit. So when my daughter's running cross country up a hill in a 94 degree heat with smoke coming in from the holy fire and she's going six miles and she doesn't want to do it because it's hot, I say, I don't care what you want. You signed up for this. Get out there and run. Are you tracking with me? Because guess what? There's going to come a day when she doesn't want to go to work in the morning either. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you get out there and go to work. Are you tracking with me? And then last year we realized we were missing one component, and that is the fourth one, which is always build his church. That's part of our mission. If I wasn't the pastor of this church, I'd be attending this church doing some of the same things you're doing. I'd be out there sweating with the volunteers who are helping set up the carnival. Why? Because we're going to build his church. So I don't say that to wow you or to uh, tell you to look at us as who we are, but, but to challenge you, what's your mission? What's your mission? Maybe you're in your mid-20s or early 20s. You don't have to have it all figured out. It might just be one statement, and that's okay. Maybe you've got kids, and they're older than my kids are, and you think, man, it's, it's too late. No, it's not too late. What's your mission? What's your mission? Lead with grace. Learn through discipline. Love through affirmation. Live with mission. And number five, y'all okay on time? Well, we are, it's good. <laughs> number five, last with Christ. Last with Christ. I would argue if you want to live a full life, you need Jesus at the center, not as an accessory. I've used this illustration before, but I believe far too often we treat Jesus like an Uber driver. When I need you, I'll pull out the phone, open up the app, tell you where to pick me up and where to take me. And if the experience is good enough, I might rate you high and I may even give you a tip. 
And until I need you again, I'm going to put my phone away and I'll holler at you. And all I want to tell you, you can live life that way and it's okay. But you'll never experience the fullness of the life God, was, God created you for. So invite him into every aspect, every component of your journey. Thread him through every conversation, every decision you make for your life, for your family, for your marriage, for your future, for your career. Weave Jesus in by saying, God, what do you have for me? Am I on the right track or am I aiming at what I want? Hey, listen, I'm a pastor, a minister of the gospel of Jesus, a man of the cloth, whatever that means. <laughs> and my natural tendency is to lean towards what I want. Not what he wants, to what I want. And my job is to be godly. And I struggle with this. So you know what I have to do? I have to start every day and say, today, God, I give you my life. Because I don't have what it takes, and I need you. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be perfect. The Bible says that God is not slow as some would count it slowness, but he is patient. In other words, he just loves to see us moving towards him step by step, even if your step is this small. Just taking steps towards him. And I'm telling you, 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 you won't go to bed at night thinking my life is perfect, but you can lay your head down at night and you think, man, this is the best life I can live. I was created for this and I'm walking in the fullness of my purpose. And I want that for you. Lead with grace, learn through discipline, love with affirmation, live with mission and last with Christ. It's why we exist as a church. We want to give you tools to live this way. Listen, I love how Jesus said it best. Figured it'd probably be good to close the service by quoting Jesus. John 15, 5 says this. This is Jesus speaking. When you're joined with me, in other words, when you're threading me through the aspects and the nuances of your life, and I'm with you, the relationship is intimate, organic. That means it's not fabricated. It's not an accessory. It's an actual component of your life. Look at this. The harvest is sure to be abundant. What does that mean? That life is full. Are you with me this morning? How many of you say, you know what? I've got some work to do. I got some things to address and things to adjust because I want to live the life God's called me. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for us today. Thanks for being honest. Hands all over the room. Thank you. Me too. My hands up too. Can I pray for us? Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody moving around right now. Just got a couple more minutes. We're, we're out on early today and just want to pray for us. If, you, if that's you and you're like, you know, I just, I got some adjustments to make. Maybe just while I'm praying, maybe you can pray your own prayer and just invite God back into your life. God, we just thank you that you're patient towards us and that your plans for us are a hope and a future. God, we thank you that you've got great things in store. And the truth is, God, we don't have it figured out. And some of us have been trying to run our own race. And today, God, we're just giving you permission to lead us again. Lord, we want affirmation to be a component of who we are and not just an accessory. We want to lead with grace because we value grace from you. We recognize the strength and need for discipline. We want to live on mission. But God, more than anything, we want you at the center of it all. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, look up at me for just a few more seconds. We're almost done today. I really am going to get you out early. I want to talk to some of you in this room who you may not know where you stand when it comes to faith. 
Maybe this is a brand new component for you, but you probably can feel God doing something in your life. I would suggest and propose to you there's actually a starting line. It's not church membership. And here's even better news. It's not eradicating and getting rid of your past. That's good news for me at least. There's a starting point and it's nothing you can do to earn it. In fact, the Bible refers to it as a gift. And it's available for anyone who would just believe there's a moment that takes place, and I'm going to give you a chance to do just that without any embarrassment to you. In fact, this will be a private moment where you can write in your own seat in the quietness of your own heart or in a small whisper, just connect to the true and living God and say, today I'm going to start this journey with you. And I believe it's the best decision that you can make. There's some of you in here who have never made a decision like this, and it's the reason you're here. You thought you were coming for inflatables and churros, but God had a bigger plan for your life. And there's some of you, hey, look at me in the eyes for a moment. Some of you may have prayed a prayer like this, but it's been a minute. And you've been running from God. Not only running, but you've kind of invited some things back into your life that shouldn't be a part of it. And I want to challenge if that's you, why don't you start over fresh today? Maybe you hear you've never prayed this prayer, and some of us need to pray this prayer again for the first time in a long time. Would you do me a favor? Nobody moving around. How about just stay quiet for me? Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking. If you're here and you've never prayed the prayer or you need to pray it again, let me just give you the words. And in the sincerity of your own heart, maybe a small whisper, just repeat these words after me. Just say, dear God, I need you. I really need you. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? Now just make these words your own with the simple sincerity. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.